So the problem is that this metric is something you don't know that is being measured. It's super confusing. You come in as a guest, you're treated like a guest, have something to drink, and then suddenly you're supposed to shift roles in the middle of the interview and then be acting like you already work there. My name is Charlotte, and I'm the CEO of Equalture, a company that is on a mission to shape the world of unbiased hiring. Welcome to the Oops, I'm Bias podcast. So my guest for today's episode is Marie. It's the third time that she is actually uh, here today. Uh, Marie is an organizational psychologist and is also um, focusing a lot on how to remove biases in the hiring process. And today we are going to talk about a very interesting one, interview bias. Now, I think most of you have heard of those examples of Weird things that might happen in an interview. The coffee cup test is a very uh, well-known one by now. Like we present a candidate with something and then we see how they react to it and we draw conclusions from that. How does that impact who we will eventually hire and how fair is it to apply these kinds of some sort of mini assessments into your interview? So today with Marie, we are going to talk about interview bias and how you can also structure your interview in a way to make that at least a little bit less biased. So I hope you will enjoy this episode. All right, Marie, thanks so much for being back with us today. Yeah, it's fun to be back again. Third time. Is, yeah, this is the third episode, right? Yeah, yep. Yes, nice. Is. Hey, I would assume that uh, because we have quite a constant uh, audience who listens to the podcast, but for people who don't know you yet that are tuning in for this one, could you briefly introduce yourself? Sure. So uh, my name is Mari. I am from Finland and I'm an organizational psychologist. And uh, my work consists of a lot of different things related to workplaces and people and teams and leadership and and everything that has to do with basically organizations and people. Um, But also I do uh, a lot of uh, assessments for recruitment, the traditional kind of assessments thus far. Um, And uh, I have been talking to uh, Charlotte about a lot about biases and different different things in the past as well. And this is one of my favorite topics because no matter what kind of tools you use for your recruiting and, and your assessments, um, there's a lot of bias involved. And I think it's really important to, to talk about those things because they also really affect how your co- company shapes out to be on a larger scale and not just who you end up recruiting every single time. Yeah, and what I really love about this episode is So we are going to talk about interview bias. I'm uh, going to ask you in a second Mm -hmm. to explain that. Uh, I think that most biases arise during the interview stage, but I also think that the interview stage is a stage in which a lot of biases are more conscious rather than unconscious. So I think it's an interesting one. Before we Mm -hmm. dive into it, um, interview bias, could you give a brief Mm -hmm. overview of what interview bias exactly is? Yeah, so it's obviously a a wide thing. It can mean many, many different things in different settings, but it's basically where you're trying to figure out who's the best fit for your job and you're using interviews to to figure that out. But instead of kind of really finding out the, the... or basing everything on their, the skills and competencies and capabilities of, of the person or potential of the person, you end up having these biases that direct your attention to... Um, uh, something that's irrelevant for the job. Um, it, it could be the situation at hand in the interview, or it could be something that's in your mind, a thought pattern, some kind of stereotype, something that you jump to conclusions with. And, and then that ends up being 
like kind of the information you get is not actually what you need or what you should be looking for. And it's directed in the wrong way. So, so it's, it's a wide concept that includes a lot of different things that could happen, yep. but basically it's when, when people interview uh, candidates, it's, it's everything that could go wrong in that stage of the process. What basically happens in every single company. Well, I know that there are solutions out there nowadays where you can already have sort of interviews with robots and AI. I think mm. it will take some time before companies are really going to adjust to that. So safe to assume, I think at 99% of all companies out there still interview human beings through yeah, a human probably. being. Hey, do you think that interview bias is more often unconscious or conscious? I think it can be both. Um, there, there are some conscious parts to it uh, where you can, for example, know about yourself that you have an easier time with outgoing people. And that's why you tend to like interviewing those people. It's like, okay, so that was a nice interview because I had an easy time talking to this person because they're just as talkative as I am. So that could be an example of a really conscious one that, that you have. But then there could be a lot of really um, unconscious ones. and. And, um, well, the basic thing is what is different from us tends to make us a little bit uncomfortable. So that's, that's kind of the core where, where you find these biases, like, and then you, then you start acting on those. So those are very unconscious things. Like what makes us uncomfortable? Why didn't I like this person? What was it about this person that, that kind of somehow struck some kind of what people then call gut feeling that you, you didn't like. So I would say there's, there's both not not just the unconscious or conscious yeah i agree i think we well in this podcast we spoke about a lot of different biases that i think are more on the unconscious side like similarity bias Mm -hmm. we had like beauty biases something that we discussed in an episode Mm -hmm. that should be out by the time that this one goes out i think Uh, but what i find very interesting about the topic of interview bias is well, we were laughing about it before we hit the record button and then said, let's press a record before we are going to dive into that. So I've uh, been a recruiter myself, or at least I had a recruitment agency myself before I started this company. So I've mm-hmm. have, I've had a lot of conversations with interviewers about how they handle their interview. And I've come across the weirdest examples of what people do <laughs> in interviews in order to... Mm-hmm. basically predict whether you're going to be a fit with the role and with the company. I yeah. think that one that uh, I definitely want to touch upon because uh, for some reason it was exploded on my LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago is the coffee cup test. Uh, I think it was mm-hmm. from a CEO from an Australian company, but I'm not sure who explained the coffee mm-hmm. cup test in order to basically decide if someone is a fit for the company, as you know. Do, mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the coffee cup test? Oh yeah, it's it's an oldie but goldie. It's, <laughs> could you uh, <laughs> could you explain the, it? What he did? Yeah, this is not the this is not the first time first time I hear about this. So basically, it's um a, a, this this person and probably many others have used this coffee cup test where you see like you you walk through with a candidate to to the interview room and you you give them some kind of beverage, coffee or tea or something. Would you like something to drink? And then they take something and. Then, then you have the interview, and then after the interview, you check for whether or not that person took the coffee cup back to the kitchen or asked asked if if they should take the coffee cup back to the kitchen. And then, in this article that you, you sent me to to read as well, uh, if you did not do that, then you were instantly blacklisted from every job ever in that company as well, and 
you were just deemed not a fit for that company. So that's basically <laughs> what what it is. Like, yeah, it, <laughs> I think it, the weirdest one I heard. So the one I heard most uh, throughout my career is the handshake. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if, oh, if yeah. your handshake that, is not strong one. enough, then probably you also don't have a strong personality. Does it make sense at all? But I think that the weirdest one that I ever heard is that the, I think it was a Dutch company where every candidate uh, who would come in for an interview in the afternoon, because in the morning that would be a little bit weird, uh, got a soup uh, from the company, mm-hmm. which is okay already super uncomfortable. I would be very uncomfortable if I would be in an interview and then someone hands over soup to me. Yeah. So they gave the candidate soup and then they also put salt and pepper next to the soup. And what they did is they... Okay. Um, so what made the decision for them whether or not to continue with a candidate is that if the candidate would add salt to the soup without tasting it first, mm-hmm. they thought you would have a judgmental personality and wouldn't trust people by default because if you would trust people, then you would first taste it before you draw to conclusions. Uh-huh. And he, they even ended the interview right away. <laughs> so if the interview started, you put salt in there, then they would immediately say, okay, the interview is over. I think that's the weirdest thing I ever heard. Yeah, that's seriously weird. That's even weirder <laughs> than a coffee cup. <laughs> because they were doing exactly the same thing. They were judging judging someone, well, first impression on some, yeah, something like that. What I <laughs> what I found interesting about like these kinds of I mean we all we all know about the examples uh, such as within I think seven seconds you have a first impression about someone and that is really something mm-hmm. that happens unconsciously of course like we interpret everything we yeah. see and what people say and then we draw a first conclusion mm-hmm. that makes sense it's not good that it happens but from a cognitive bias perspective and a neuroscience perspective it makes sense that it happened but those kinds of tests in my opinion really don't make any sense so why do you think Mm -hmm. that that some companies include these kinds of tests is it that they are so insecure about are we going to reveal enough in the interview that we need test? what is your thought about that yeah, that's a really good question. I think it really comes down to individual differences as well. It could be some CEO or some interviewer who has this thought and not necessarily the company. But I think, um, so let's let's take the coffee cup test. I think what they're trying to measure, which in, on some level makes sense. Okay, you want the right attitude. You want somebody who's helpful, who's not only looking after their own job, but also kind of helps others in the office and and kind of does their share of the common things that need to be done. Okay, fair enough. Um, But then they don't really know how to measure that. And then they they start thinking, okay, so what would be in the interview situation, what would showcase this metric or this thing that we want to find out? Well, okay, so if they take the coffee cup, that's something that we expect from people who, who work here that you would be helpful like that. So then they add this kind of random metric to this interview situation where obviously the candidate comes in, has a million things on th- running through their head. They're, they might be carrying some things. They, 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 they're doing other things than thinking about picking up things at the office. And what they, I, I think, also think is they're showcasing their culture somehow with this kind of metric of like, we are a helpful place, everybody helps out and so on. But what ends up happening, actually, and I don't know if this <laughs> uh, 
was going to be a follow-up question, but they, they're actually showcasing something completely different. It, they're showcasing this culture where you make one mistake yeah. and you're out. And I'm actually really hoping that these people with the soup and with the coffee cups, you know, metrics and things like that, that they actually tell the candidates that this happened because then at least the candidates could also blacklist these companies and tell their friends how <laughs> random their, their interviews are because like you also heard about these. So the, the problem is that this metric is something you don't know that is being measured. It's super confusing. You come in as a guest, you're treated like a guest, have something to drink, and then suddenly you're supposed to shift roles in the middle of the interview and then be acting like you already work there. So it's just, there's so many problems with this, that, that, but it, I think, I think that what they're trying to do is, is have a metric where they could find out if something that they, they value is true for this candidate or not. And they're obviously not valid measurements yeah. for, for that. So basically what you're saying is they try to measure a specific thing of which they know like probably in in just vocal communication that will be difficult to grasp from an interview mm -hmm. yeah but the exact opposite of course happens like the coffee cup test is not saying something about being helpful yet you know it's <laughs> it does i mean i do yeah. to some extent i do get why people would start think about those kinds of tests in the first place mm-hmm but I think those people are completely unaware of the fact that there are a lot of better ways out there to measure these kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually it, it kind of works one way. So if a person does say, can I take this coffee cup back or, or should I do this? Then that is a sign that they are maybe a helpful person, but if they don't do it, no. it doesn't say anything. So that's kind of a problem. So one way it could be no. a good sign. The other way yeah, it doesn't and I mean, mean anything. Uh, bringing back a coffee cup to me is just being polite. It doesn't say anything about being helpful necessarily. But no, <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, where in the uh, so if we would split up the interview in, let's say, the intro, the middle part, and the outro, mm -hmm. do you think that all parts of the interview are equally prone to bias, or are there specific parts where the impact of bias, according to your opinion, could be heavier? Um, yeah, I think in the beginning, like you said, the first impression bias is something that happens to all of us and we can't really get away from that happening. So I think the beginning is a really important part because then what happens there can color so much of what happens next and what kind of questions are asked, what kind of things are talked about, um, how those answers or how the candidate is perceived. So from even from the moment when you set up the interview, I think that's probably already or when you read their CV for, you know, something like, where are they from? Where did they go to school? Then they walk in the door and then there's, maybe you have a handshake, maybe you have clothing, maybe you have attractiveness or height or whatever. It, there's a lot of things that we read into these situations that we're not very conscious of. And, and actually, even before that, who did you have in mind when you wrote the job ad? Like, did you picture someone already? And does this person match that person that you thought about when they when they come in the door? Because then after that, it's like, okay, if you really like the first impression, then you start maybe looking at people in a more positive light. That's the halo effect bias. If you didn't like something, oh, they're dressed like that. I would never wear that. Then you might be like, okay, so maybe they're not, you know, this and that, or they fit into some kind of stereotype. Yeah. 
that is in your head, or it could be so many different things. But one thing that people also don't think about often is that talking about hobbies, talking about stuff outside of work could have a yeah. huge effect. Like if, uh, if you talk about the weather, okay, maybe that's somewhat safe. I don't know, maybe there's risks there too. But definitely if you if you ask about like, did you watch the game last weekend? And then the person says, I don't like football. And they're like, oh, I can't work with people who don't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it can be very easy, like some hobby that you have in common or something that you don't like um, could already color what you ask them, how you ask them questions. And it's very natural to look for a connection between people or between the person you're talking to and yourself. but that's a great breeding ground for bias. So I would say the beginning is, is the most important yep. bit. Hey, so if, um, I mean, we, uh, I also do job interviews myself for people that we hire here, but mm-hmm. always when, when I speak about, well, we, we also spoke about, for example, confirmation bias that happens in interviews. And now mm-hmm. we are, well, I think we've gone through numerous very weird examples of what happens in an interview isn't the no let's rephrase i think in my opinion that the job interview is maybe the most dangerous part of a job application procedure from Mm -hmm. a buyer's perspective Mm -hmm. in an ideal world do you think there should be place for a job interview in a hiring process if we would want to come to the best decision, the most objective, the most fair decision out there? That's a really good question. And I don't actually know um, if it could be completely eliminated. Uh, and what would that look like? Uh, I, I guess for some jobs, I think it probably could be eliminated. But but what, how, how you would kind of bring the person into the work community as well, because at least... At the moment, still, it is a lot about working together and doing things together and, 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 and so on. So if you don't have a job interview and then somebody just comes to your office, well, this is what the machine said. Uh, this is the person you hired. Then <laughs> I, I don't know. That just might, might be my limitation of like how, how I could imagine that, that looking. But um, I think there's going to be interviews. I think it's just we need to make them a lot better and a lot less prone to bias at the moment until we figure out some other way where AI could be really good at this or something. <laughs> I also fear AI a little bit in general. So AI applying to mm. interview. Yeah. I, I mean, eventually it's going to happen, of course. And what do you think? Mm-hmm. No, maybe let's rephrase. What would be, what is your um, main goal behind an interview like what is the reason that you conduct interviews yourself um for me so my role is usually as some kind of outsider as a consultant who who um has these uh scientifically validated tests that people do and that yes they are uh self self-reporting um and then also a cognitive uh ability test that that, that they do before they talk to me, like the candidates uh, for a job. Um, what my job is to talk through these profiles, try to understand how the person thinks and, and how these things that, that are um, obvious or, or visible in the profiles could show up in the work that a person might do or how they might act based on, based on um, you know, 
their their profiles and so on. And and I try to be an objective outsider view um, for the companies or for the hiring managers who who are trying to make these difficult decisions. And it's imperfect for sure. I'm just as prone to bias as as other people are as well. But because I do this very systematically, then maybe I can bring some consistency to these processes and yeah. um, kind of from the Is outside. Is it safe to say that where the type of interviewers that apply the coffee test or the soup test or whatever, they I think they try <laughs> to reveal a lot of characteristics from candidates in the interview. Is it safe to say that you, mm -hmm. instead of trying to get a lot of new knowledge, uh, use the interview to gain a better understanding of the knowledge that you already had prior to the interview? Yes, I think that's one way of putting it. Um, and it's also checking yeah. that information because I think in any recruiting process, any characteristic or thing that you're trying to measure should be measured in several different ways. So let's say that helpfulness test, if you manage to figure out a better test for is this person helpful, are they, do they, do they gear towards helping others? Then finding that out from multiple sources is very important, not just that one thing that happened. Yeah. So if it consistently happens through your interview, the scientific tests, the some kind of situation or or scenario that you went through with them, then okay, maybe that's that's more valid than you just basing it on like one little uh, snippet of information that you got. So it's also bringing kind of more of a mm -hmm. confirmation or or actually sometimes my my findings are different than they had assumed based on something in in the interview the first yeah. interview for example that the company had themselves and then it becomes a discussion of like okay so your hypothesis was this but now we have contradictory information i suggest that you try to find out more about this this thing before you make a decision so that you have a more informed decision at least when you yeah. when you make it yeah that makes sense my last question it's well it's not it's it's a little bit maybe off topic but it still applies to the interview uh because something mm -hmm. that i also use an interview for so yeah i i dive deeper into the assessment results that we've uh that we've received before i think an interview to mm -hmm. me is also an opportunity for the candidate to ask questions about the company like i think an interview is some sort of a two-way street yeah. but then Mm -hmm. uh, something else that is very important to me is the motivation to work well at Equalture in this in this case. Mm -hmm. How fair do you think it is to assess motivation in a job interview? And the reason that I'm asking that is that so I do focus on it because I find that we are we are a purpose driven company. So I find it very important that mm -hmm. candidates align with the purpose that we have and the mission that we have. But for example, not everyone is that well equipped to vocally express motivation or to express themselves well in general. So do you think it's dangerous mm -hmm. to focus a lot on, on letting the candidate basically pitch their motivation in a face-to-face -face interview? Um, yeah, a little bit <laughs> because they basically know what you want to hear. Fair point. Um, <laughs> fair point. <laughs> 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 they can easily go read what you do and, and what your mission is and what's important to you. And, and if, if they have 
that capability of vocalizing that, then they can be very convincing, I'm sure. Um, so, so that's, that's one point. And actually just going back to what you said about they have a chance to interview you as well is, is a really important part of why interviews still do exist and, and should exist because they can also assess whether or not your promises are actually valid. Like if they walk into your office and, and you say you have a friendly culture and nobody's friendly yeah. to them, they should run. So that, that's the other thing. But yeah, so, so people do, people can kind of, um, figure out what it is that they need to say to sound good to you. But then the other question I would like to raise related to that, like, would it be okay to work for a culture and not be like super enthusiastic about the mission, but just be really, really good at what they do? Because I've had these <laughs> discussions about this with people working in theaters, for example, you can be excellent at lighting and you might be the best thing ever for that theater to fix the lighting. But do you care about the art? Do you have to care about the art? <laughs> that, that's a question kind of for well, you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, to me personally, <laughs> although I don't know if this is then the, the best answer from my uh, objective hiring perspective. But for me, maybe the motivation mm -hmm. to... Um, work on the greater goal that we have is more mm -hmm. important than any outcomes of any tests that people do because i think that eventually i mean we uh, haven't figured out a way to measure intrinsic motivation i'm sure there are tests out there who uh, mm -hmm. at, that at least give it a try but i think intrinsic motivation is so extremely important to just wake up every day and think okay i'm excited to go to work and I want to contribute to what's what the goal of the company is that yeah so this is maybe a very mm -hmm. wrong answer uh but for me motivation <laughs> is very important mm -hmm. so it I, I don't have a right or wrong answer for you or, or like that's that's not necessarily the wrong answer but it's something to really think about because i've also seen many wrong hires um that have been in the end very bad for the company because even though they they have believed strongly in what the company does, they might not know how to do it or they might be in the wrong position or in the wrong phase of, of their career. And then if you if you take that one metric and everything else goes out the window, then that's yeah. that's risky. <laughs> so that's that's all I'm well, saying. I do only <laughs> invite people for an interview if they uh, so we make, of course, some sort of competency profile before we start to also make sure that we stick mm -hmm. to the requirements that we set from an objective hiring perspective. Right. So I do only invite candidates with scores that align with our competency profiles. And then the motivation mm -hmm. comes on top of that. So maybe it's sort of a two-layer kind of decision for me then. Mm -hmm. And that's good because th that would be one thing that I would definitely recommend, like the preset criteria, the preset things, like these are the things we need from a person. These are the competencies, skills, whatever, like it, you also, it's okay to look for skills. If you need a skill for a specific job, yes, a lot of things can be learned, but if you need it tomorrow, that might not be you know possible to, to hire yeah. someone you teach. So that's, that's fine. But as long as it's preset, it's it's more fair. And then if your interviews are more structured, you have um, kind of consistent questioning. You don't interview alone. It's not just you. Maybe you can even record your interviews and, and check back for your own bias or have somebody else in your company. It's like, was I fair to this candidate? Or 
that kind of thing. There's a lot of things you can do also to improve that if, if you want to use interviews and, and these whatever metrics you use, you can always make them better by finding information from more different, more sources. It's actually a very interesting tip that you just gave, like record your interviews and also watch back how you are doing interviews yourself because mm -hmm. we or have someone yeah. else check you. I think it's a very, uh, it's a very good tip to become more conscious of your unconscious biases in an interview or maybe your conscious biases in an mm -hmm. interview, by the way. Um, hey, we are, um nearing the end of the episode do you have any last mm -hmm. tips that you that we didn't discuss before on uh maybe one or two final tips on how to overcome interview bias which is a very broad question that i'm now asking to you i'm sorry <laughs> for that <laughs> yeah uh, okay i guess this is one that i would probably say to any any bias like constant be conscious about having bias and constantly check for them because they're going to happen. So I guess uh, one one tip would be to whatever you're trying to measure, uh, make sure that there's at least a couple of ways that you're measuring that same thing throughout your process before you hire that person. So it's not based on some random event in an interview situation like the coffee cup or the soup or, or some something like that, that could have many other reasons behind it, why, why these things could go so quote unquote wrong for the candidates. Um, so those, those would be, well, that would be a tip. And then also use some kind of objective tools, whether it's game-based assessments or, or some other data that you can get from like scientifically based tests or an outsider opinion, get a second opinion. Don't just rely on your own gut feeling because that's bound to go wrong in some way. I, uh, I fully agree, but I might be a little bit biased here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Hey, but I'm conscious about my biases. <laughs> Marie, thanks so much for um, joining again today. I, um, I really enjoyed recording this one with you again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are definitely going to invite you back. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, and for everyone who's listening, if you do have any follow-up questions for Marie, then feel free to add Marie on LinkedIn. We are both there, always up for a good chat, I think, about how to uh, how to mm -hmm. combat biases in the recruitment process. And a big thanks again, uh, Marie, for um, being here today. Of course. Thank you for inviting me.